We don't need no education. <laughs> we don't need no thought control. No dark sarcasm in the classroom. Teachers leave them kids alone. Yeah, and, I love wait, this. Wait. No, wait, wait. Hey, Manny, leave those millennials alone. <laughs> <laughs> Another brick in the wall. I love it. I love it. We were we were a little surprised because we just we just did that one. Oh but, yeah. But we did it a, a different version. So Marcelino yeah. was here and he was just in here and he did the Portuguese version oh, of that. Okay. One. So no no so, no. But that's yeah, that's a totally great one, man. No, that's totally <laughs> the freestyle at the end. That was Mark from Craig Moore. Yes. Right. Craig Moore Construction. Yeah. Instagram handle is Craig Moore underscore Construction. Website, website is, is uh, craigmore.ca. What are we going to talk about today? Manny, leave those millennials <laughs> alone. <laughs> I can't. So, I can't. <laughs> so uh, actually, like a goal I kind of want to set out for this thing is uh, to persuade anybody that's on the fence about getting into the trade and maybe give some hope to some of the apprentices that have kind of been beaten down in the industry a little bit and just kind of be like, okay, you know what, like, Here's a couple avenues. So we're going to talk a little bit about apprenticeship. We're going to talk about education. That's nice. kind of like where we're going to go with this. I think maybe to give you like a little bit of background on myself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Or, don't, or, don't jump the gun uh, just yet. The- we got some housekeeping <laughs> yeah. to do. That's a little right. bit of housekeeping first. Yeah. But this is going to be an exciting podcast. We've always wanted to tackle this. Sure. I, I know you reached out to me and then I suggested yeah. it. And I was like, go on, let's talk about this. I really want to talk about it. Carlito. It's history. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, we're doing Man, something different. Some, oh, I know what we're doing. All right, somebody at this table. Someone forgot show up. to say hello to Mark. Thank you very much. From Skylux. And Mark, we just want to do a little shout out because Mark brought a bottle of wine for you. Yeah. He, you also brought bottles of wine for us and also some stogies. Oh, yeah. nice, fast stogies. I'm like, and any other future guests that are coming, we welcome <laughs> any gifts at all. No, but this is the first person that actually gave Mark something very oh, generous. Oh, this is amazing. It's great. Yeah. So, Mark, thank you very much. Skylux, guys, give him a holler, call him up. I actually just called him up for a job. So, it just at Skylux Roofing, you'll find him. He's taking care of all kinds of cladding. He lets us uh, record our podcast in the nice Commercial and room. residential. It's great. So, yeah. we want to thank him very much and mark there's a, a nice bottle of wine for you waiting when you come in the morning don't drink it in the morning <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get back to the other mark at the table but first we want to do history with manny <laughs> yeah it's a well it was a little premature now. earlier <laughs> yes i want to ask mark and carlito who made the very first pneumatic nailer oh man i want to say bosch did i want to say bosch stitch no, it's got to be Black & Decker. <laughs> it is none of the brands that you guys would be familiar with. It was a manufacturing company, 1862. Wow. wow. Doing. Doing Manufacturing Company developed the very first stationary machine that fed and drove bulk nails. The whole idea was to do multiple headed nailing machines uh, for production of pallets, crating, and other wood products. It took another hundred years before it actually got into the mainstream. And that was the very first one was in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, handheld bulk nailer. That's where it started. Take a guess on where the very first nailer got used and on what item of history back in the 1940s. This is a big, big something. Does it have anything to do with alcohol? No. Oh, yeah. Well, he did. Cases of alcohol? Sure. He was a very eccentric billionaire 
Would he have been a billionaire at the time? Probably. Probably. I'm going to get to it. The spruce goose. Get Howard Hughes. Hmm. He used a pneumatic nailer to build that plane. Wow. Wow. And that was history with Manny. <laughs> I thought you were going to take it a complete. You know what? I thought, I thought, I thought for sure this nailer was going to space. <laughs> no, that's the drill from last how time. How big man. was that thing? Think about how oh, it's like, probably the size like, of a forklift. It was probably like a guy was like a, you know cranking it, <laughs> steam coming out, and it was like, almost throwing the nail right through the no wood. Shit. Could you imagine if you hopped into the DeLorean and then got into our dime here right oh, now? Oh wow! Be like, guy. wow, I'm taking one of these back with me. <laughs> forget this game. Imagine no, forget how, the hoverboard. Imagine how advanced you'd be if you brought the gas like pass load. They'd be like, oh my oh. god, <laughs> what is this magic? <laughs> That was, All pretty, right. that was pretty cool, man. You like that one? Yeah. That was a good one? That was good. So let's get on with the show. Yeah, so a little bit of background on me. I decided to become a bricklayer when I was 16. Wow. Like 16. How? What happened? <sighs> a little bit of family history. S.H. Dello Block used to be out on Mavis. My great-grandfather it was a big block plant. A lot of family members went through there. One of my cousins is actually still doing stonemasonry today. Skipped a generation, and then basically from there, my dad told me stories about this big powerful man barrel chest straight back carrying the hod his dad he used to like build a wall his dad come over kick it down like build it again <laughs> like you know and and I like this guy it kind of ended up with like a fist fight where he was just like i'm just gonna do this on my own and then you know next thing you know he's he's uh building these foundations in a day he's keeping four laborers going the guy was just he was a machine a machine wow. a thousand blocks a day and they were like the the like man-made blocks, not like the clave we have today. The really like the, coarse ones. Yeah. And the one, and get this, he made the blocks himself. So there was no clay. Yeah. So get this. He would mix the concrete, have the form, pour it in the form. And then what he would do is he would take those blocks and then build the foundation. So, That's crazy. so this wow. is, so, so the guy was like doing it start to finish. And then what happened is builders started coming around they started saying, Hey, listen, like, can you do this for me? And he was like, yeah, I guess I can make like another 75, whatever. And then next thing you know, it just kind of evolved and then built just, the business. Then just built the business. Wow. And so, uh, you know, and then unfortunately it didn't transfer over. Then my dad used to tell me stories about this like legend. And, and what then, was the name of the legend? Stan Dello was his name. And uh, he, again, SH Dello Block, some people still knew it when I was like actually coming up in my apprenticeship. I started with the Croatian actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I and, like this uh, story already. Yeah. My and, condolences. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I told him, I said, oh yeah, you know, like my grandpa Stan, he goes, Stan, Stan Dello? I go, yeah. He goes, I used to get blocks from there. You used to keep the brick sand by the boilers in the back and it was great in the winter because you used to get this warm sand. And I was just like, yep. That was him. And then it was just like, oh my God. Like, you know, so. So it, 16 years old, you choose the hardest, one of the hardest trades. You know what? That was sort of the beauty of it because I figured, okay, if I start out really hard, anything else is going to be easy. Were you actually thinking that way? Yeah. Uh, seriously. There's, at 16 years uh, old? At 16 years old. Yeah. Wait a minute. How young are you? I'm 32. Wow. So, so I like, I, and the thing is I started demoing houses when I was 14. It was kind of a combination. A buddy of mine, his dad had a general contracting company, and he basically said, "Hey, you want to make you want to make some cash?" I said, "Sure." Went over, went over to this elderly lady's house. Literally, we picked up a couch, moved it three times, only to move it back to the original thing. Got in the car. I said, "That wasn't much." Guy handed me fifty bucks cash, and I was like, 14 And I'm looking at this, going, "Oh, that's a lot of money." I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> that's goes, a lot that's of money. construction. And at that, I was like, "Oh, okay." 
there's there's something here and then <laughs> it, it was crazy like literally after that i think was, that was more handyman than it was construction yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it was construction i, I just kind of because handymen do make a lot of money <laughs> well, they make fun of them but yeah, they make a lot yeah, of money it's the honey-do <laughs> list guys right? right anyways next thing you know my, my buddy's like, hey, you want another job? I'm like, yeah, I want another job. Next thing you know, you know, we're swinging hammers. We're taking out houses. Um, you know, we're starting to do like some actual like demo work. We're clearing out these places so they can flip them. We're starting to paint. And then honestly, by the time I was like 15, 16, I'm looking at my friends and their earning power is like $8 an hour. And I'm almost making double that. Yeah, 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going, I'm going, okay, well, there's got to be something here. And then wanted to be outside work with my hands you know i played football there was a couple other things that and then next thing you know i'm looking at the stats canada website and i'm going okay i like to be outside i don't want to be stuck behind a desk that was like my mentality i don't want to be in a desk i want to be outside so i just looked at it and i did some really basic math and that's something i'm going to say a lot through this podcast really basic math so i look at it and it goes what's the average age for a bricklayer it was 57 at 16. So 15, 17 years ago, it, the average age of a bricklayer was, was 57, 57. 57. And I look at it this and I go, there's going to be a massive hole in this industry. I'm getting on board. Who made you think like that, though? Honestly. Were I, your friends doing the same thinking? One of my other friends, he's a great guy. You know, he got me kind of started. And I tell him he's the reason why I got into the trade. Great with his hands. He just basically, he was the only other guy doing it. We were earning and we were having a great time doing it. So I was kind of like, okay, this is way better than flipping burgers or working retail or something like that. And I was just like, you know what? Let's just keep doing it. I get to work with my body. I get to be outside, be my own boss. Like nobody was really watching us, which is crazy to think now. Tank tops. You know, yeah. Like you can yeah, just. It's a different set of rules. Yeah, it's a different set of rules. But the other thing too is like. We were supervised, but we weren't. It was just kind of more like, okay, is the job done? Yeah. Okay. Do you know how to work? A, like not many power tools, a lot of hand and hammering, right? It's demo. It's just, you know, basic demo. Fast forward a, a couple of years and now I'm sitting there, you know, 17 and I go, okay, I got some choices to make. Do I want to go off to university like a lot of my friends or do I want to keep earning? Yeah, you're just finishing high school exactly. at this time. So what I did is I actually... Wait a second, I was just starting high school. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 I, so I got out of there. So I got out of there. You know, growing up in Oakville, you're kind of, you know, go to university, do all this type of stuff. I just kind of said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to... There's, there's a hole here in this industry. I'm going to try to look for that. I'm going to exploit that. I'm just going to move in that direction. I'm going to see where this goes. And the next thing you know, there was a program that came up through OYAP. Basically, they said... We frame houses. You want to come frame? It was for Sundial Homes at 17. So what I did is I actually left my school, went to the other one, and they were the only ones offering it at this time. And I was in there with like guys that had no idea what they were doing. And I was in there also with guys that had been doing the same thing as me. They'd been framing houses. They'd been doing like, but honestly, there was 18 people in the class. That was it. They gave us our safety. That's a big classroom, man. Yeah. They gave us our safety training. They gave us our working at heights. They gave us our WIMIS, made sure we were all up wow. to date. And then we went to the site. And it was like a bunch of 17-year-old kids with our tool belts and our First time on a site. Yeah. And, uh, well, not me, but some of them. Yeah. And then basically just, okay, here are the blueprints. Frame it up. Square. There was a teacher there kind of overseeing it, making sure that we were doing somewhat of a good job. And then every once in a while, guys would drive by in the subdivision. Like, if their guy was like a production framer, he'd say, okay, you know, I'll help you, but I need one of your guys. And he'd take one of the kids over. I like and that then, program. And then what would end up happening is the guy would then end up working with him. And then, you know, a drywaller might pick you up or something like that. Now, me, 
going after the masonry field, they couldn't find anybody in that subdivision at that time because we were at the framing stages, right? So all the houses are getting framed and we're also going into November, December. So everybody's gonna, you know, masonry doesn't do so well. So they found this Croatian guy. I like this already. And basically I went there and the guy was like, okay. He kind of looked at me, oh, hmm, ha, you know, whatever. And he just basically said, okay, you know, do this, mix, mix mud. And I'd mix like a little bit of mud and then I just was on the shovel mixing mud, making sure that the guy was supplied with stone. Next thing you know, I have a trowel and a pointing tool. I'm starting to finish the guy's joints. And then what happened was, is you were there for four hours. I used to stay there six to eight. So I used to just stay there and the guy would like pay me. He'd be like, okay, you know, like four hours school. And then, and then you pay me a little, like you pay me a little. So again, earning, I'm earning, I'm 17. I'm earning, I'm earning and learning while I'm going to school. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I got to backtrack on your circle of friends at that age, man. Like on average teenager, you tell me, Carlito, I don't know what you, we, we didn't grow up in the same circles, but you'd have what, maybe eight to 10 friends in your circle of friends at, in your teenage years? I had eight. Eight. Yeah. I had eight too, right? Yeah. But now I'm pushing 50 and I speak to two. The older you get, the more you whittle them down. But back then, out of your eight, how did you get the mindset to actually drive like this, man? What, like, what happened? Or you just thought of, I've never heard of a teenager going on Stats Canada to take a look at the construction industry. The school actually pushed us to that website. They were like, really? yeah, around, it was, it was kind of a weird time. It was one like in the nineties, like when jobs were starting to get posted and stuff like that. And actually there was like parts of their curriculum where it was like, you had to go and look at jobs, like look at your career, like look far down the line and like where you want to go. Because when you get into high school, you got to pick college or university courses. You got to figure out, okay, do, you, do I want something that's more college driven or do I want something more university? And of course, a lot of people were like, yeah, I'm going to go university and I'm going to bang my head against the wall while I do stats and algebra. But, and but that's I was because like, you're from Oakville. Yeah, <laughs> a, li a little bit. I mean, it, there is a stigma there, but I just was honestly, I was watching a bunch of people break down in the rat race too. People don't talk about this, but there's a lot of pressure put on kids around grade 10. Like you got to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life at like 15. And that's, I'm like, that's and, that's, and that's very intimidating, especially, especially if you want to be like a doctor. Okay. I'm going to be in school till I'm 30. <laughs> and it's, it's like, and if you want to specialize, it might be even longer. It's, it's crazy. I also had the benefit of also having shop shop classes. Yeah. Too. They were amazing. Honestly. Yeah. The guy that they had, I don't know if he's still out there, but he was a, an old school cabinet maker. By the way, do you know what the, uh, the hours are needed for a cabinet maker's apprenticeship? I have no idea. 9,000 hours. So there are 2,000 more than a framer? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. 9,000. But when you look, they're like one of the highest. Really? That's, yeah, they're one of the highest. When I was looking at the, uh, the website the other day and just kind of getting a, couple, like a feel for this, 9,000 hours, that's a lot. For bricklayer, it's 5,400 or 5,600. It's comparable, right? So anyways, this guy was really, really good. And he used to go out to all these other shops and get us like the good wood and make us inlay all this stuff. And we used to do some really high-end products. And he also used to grade with calipers. That was the other thing. If you were out 
you know, that's a 30 second. That's pretty funny. That's yeah, pretty it, nuts. Cause but, that's only a machine shop. Yeah, exactly. But the guy was like, Oh, you know, a 30 second eighth. Oh, that's not really playing that well. Oh, you know, it's we just, all know so how you're I telling feel me he's that. using micrometer on wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, but you know what he was, setting, I like him. but he was setting the standard. That's the thing is he was trying to say like, you can't just come into the shop and just, you know, fuck around or whatever. And just, think you're going to make it through like this isn't for dumb people like you know cabinetry is an art like you should learn and you should respect this 100 exactly man. right so at this point nobody's taught you anything no you've only absorbed i've only absorbed and i've only watched kind of what's happening around me in my environment and then honestly this is what happened 18 hit i geared up with the guy that that took me from the oyat program we were geared up for the summer i slugged 2,000 brick, not kidding you, up 40 feet of scaffold by myself with brick tongs on planks. No rope, no bucket, that was no different pulley. times, man. Listen, listen. It's only you, 15. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen I'm telling changed. you. The Croatian was gone, but he had a Portuguese guy. Fantastic at what he did, but just a, a rough guy. And did, he would did just you hear be, that? The, the Croatian was he, gone, he, and you he, had the Portuguese He would guy. be screaming at the top, you know, and, <laughs> and, and and unfortunately, you know, he he had a little bit of a drinking issue too. I was and, just and about just, to, I was just about to you know, say the beer, that. The beer, the beer at lunch, and he's kind of looking at me, and I'm just going like, man, like I'm scared for my safety here. You know, bricks gonna fall off this, and and you know what? So, anyways, I carted for what did I do? I did. Yeah, I did 2,000 bricks up the scaffold, like lift by lift. I'm 18 at the time. I don't know any better. I don't know efficiency at this. I just know, okay, go until something breaks, basically. Wow. And then... It's I true, mean, though. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm a kid. I'm trying to put my best foot forward. And I'm also thinking, I'm also thinking like, I'm making maybe 15, 20 an hour now. You know, like, things are going to be good, this type of thing. After slugging that, we go to a block job. Slug another 2,000 block. Get my first eight inch, twelve inch, tens, 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 slugging like again. They're heavy. Yeah, get my first paycheck. It's like two hundred and fifty bucks. What? Where did it all go? I go. Hey, what's going on here? And next thing you know, the guy says, "Well, you know, I called the the office down there, the apprenticeship office, and uh, they said to start you at minimum wage." And I went seventeen years ago. Minimum wage would have been like eight bucks. Not even. I don't think like eight, like eight or seven. I said, "Oh." I said, no, that doesn't seem right. So I actually called the office and I said, hey, what's going on here? And she said, this, this is honestly God, her response to me. She goes, well, we generally start all our apprentices at $8 an hour. I said, listen, I hate to say this, but I've been in the industry. I know going rate for start is generally around 12, 15, 12, I would take because I'm learning, right? 15 is what I make demoing houses on the side. You know what I mean? And not slugging all these units. And she says, I figured... Compared to a mechanic, a mason's job can't be as hard as a mechanic. Oh so therefore, God. we started you lower. And he told me that he would actually give you a dollar more. So they started me at like nine bucks an hour to slug brick. And I just said to him, listen, man, like I can't do that. And to be honest, the paperwork was so strenuous on his side that he actually turned to me. and He said, you know what, Mark, I can't keep you as an apprentice. He goes, but if you want to come work for me and not be an apprentice, he's like, I'll pay you. Like, I'll pay you what you're worth. What is the rule on the apprenticeship? So when you're, you got the lead, you're in the program, you got to do your 5,400 hours? Yeah. Basically what they do is they sign you up for the college of board and trade, okay. which is actually, we'll get into this a little bit, but that's actually going away. 
right now, uh, the Ministry of Labor is going to be taking it over. Oh, that's going to be really yeah, interesting. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But so anyways, <laughs> oh at, at that point, at that point, but what you need in order to get your apprenticeship is you need a Red Seal Mason to sign off on your hours. Or a Red Seal, whatever, Red Seal Carpenter to sign off on your hours. Red Sober? Seal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing, too, is like... How many are there? <laughs> I don't know. And the other thing too is like the, the College of Board of Trade won like a one to one ratio. But to be honest, the College of Board of Trade, I saw my guy once, signed me up, gave me a little ticket with a number, and disappeared. I never seen him again. I never liked that one to one. No, and, and the thing is, how are you supposed to do that as a company? I mean you can't. are you made of you, gold? No, you like, can't. No, you can't. You can't operate Th that. There's way. there's no way. So, anyways, at 18 I lost my job. The guy basically called me up one day, he says, Mark, I was I was a great worker. I'm telling you, like, put it in. He was like, can't, can't keep you. Paperwork's too, too much. Because basically when you sign up an apprentice, you get, I can't see, you can't see it with my hands, but I'm, I'm doing about 16 inches here. That's how much paperwork you get for an apprentice. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. Why, it's, what's all this paper? Like what, who's it? What it's, forms? It's like, it's like, you know, taxation because they want to know what the company makes. The other thing too is there's grants and incentives, but a lot of people look at it and they go, oh, you know, the government's going to take 30%. I don't have to pay that 30%. You have to pay the 30% and then the government reimburses you. It's kind of a backwards kind of way of doing it. Like there's no real incentive. So now this is going back to like when I was 18. Long story short, didn't work out with him. So my parents, I was kind of in a little bit of a lull and, and they kind of saw me dip down because like my hopes and dreams have been crushed. This is what I wanted for two years. And I finally found something and I was like really, really gung-ho and I'm so passionate about my trade. Like I love it. I love it. I'd say like a mason's like my hobby. My business is like my job. <laughs> that's that's kind of the way that's I look at it. That's a great way to look at no, it. No, it's it's honestly I love it that much. Fast forward, they my parents kind of did some research. Said there's a college program out in Algonquin that does heritage masonry. Are you interested? I said yes. I, I just said you know what? Yes. Let's let's just do it, right? And they said okay, fine. So I went out there for a year, basically packed my stuff, went out there, did the orientation. Within a month, I was in the program. Like I had no, no like aspirations of going to college. I was just going to work with this guy, get my apprenticeship, you know, and just do all that. No, I wasn't going to go to college. Went to college, went there, don't know anybody. We're getting guys from Sudbury, Timmins, Innisfil, a lot of these small towns. They tend to be a little bit rough characters. I'm also 18. <laughs> <laughs> rough characters. I'm also, I'm also 18 at this point. Can't drink. Can't go out with the boys. Can't associate. And then Legally, doing, you mean. The, le yeah. And so anyways, <laughs> I'm renting a house with these three guys. There's another masonry guy there and then a heritage carpenter. And we're basically just like three guys, have a house, and it's just mayhem. People are coming over late. They're a few years older than you? Yeah, a few years older than me. And so I'm basically sitting there, okay, you know, what do we do? So in that course, though, we learned archways. We learned like uh, historical aspects of a home. We learned architecture. We did hand drafting. There was like uh, historical lime mortars. We actually did like a kiln burn where you actually burn off limestone and basically it takes the carbon out and it's like moon rock. You can pick up a massive thing like this, but then you add water and it slakes <laughs> the lime and then that's what they use for heritage mixes. Bunch of curriculum. It was very intense. Started out with 43 guys, 18 graduated. Yeah, we've heard this. Yes. Yeah. It's a hard course. It's a very hard course. And here's the reason why. Math. Basic math. Yeah. Trig. Oh, it's not basic Trig. math. It is basic math. Because when I went through high school, if you take the college program, it's basically that. So that's why it's so important for people to get into the trades early. Because if you do that, every all your learning is fresh. You still have a mind that's absorbing yeah. a lot. You haven't come into that like sort of like stale-mindedness where you're not taking stuff in and you're able to learn better. 
So get in while you're young. Or what you've learned you can use. Exactly. And you can see why it all works. Got out of the program, geared up with a really big union company down in the city. Did a ton of historical work downtown. So you were unionized for Yeah, I was unionized for about six years. With who? It was like a flip-flop. So I was with the local two, and then I was with the local 598. And then it just kind of was like... It just flip-flopped because unions are kind of looking for territory and stuff like that. But I don't want to get into that. <laughs> that's another that's podcast. A, that's another yeah. podcast. So you did that for six years? I did that for six years. So How I'm was 18. that environment? It was really good to get your foot in the door. It was really good to see... Like, I got to touch some really cool stuff. Those um, old school bricks. Those old school buildings. It's not just that. It's the stone, too. Oh. The massive pieces of cladding. Like, you can't get stone like that anymore. You can't get stone that's like, you know, four feet long eight inches thick with no faults in it. They don't blast it out of the ground like that anymore with like, you know, like uh, chamfered edges or like, you know, band around it. You can't get that. So I'm sitting there at 18 working on Chum, Much Music Building. So I'm working on the Much Music Building. We were told that's painted. It's terracotta. Yeah. So what it basically is, is then, and then they paint it over, but there's a section of it where they actually had to remove a bunch of rotted terracotta out and basically replace it with precast stone. And then painted uh, over and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. But really? they, yeah. But you know what? That's what you have to do because no one makes terracotta and terracotta is bad for in this climate. It's true. You know, it is. So they, they, they took the best approach possible. By the way, they had to pass that through a conservator and those guys are not easy to deal with. Like those guys want it done originally. If they could have reproduced the terracotta, they would have. It's just. Are these guys from local? No, they're not. They're a private company that come around and, and basically take a look at it. So, so they're so. useless, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it is. So, if you're not local, you don't understand our climate, our seasons, the buildings here. You should have a local person. Paying yeah, like, I mean, it, it'll, it'll be like a certain, like, I can't speak to, like, you know, who really, like, polices them or something like that. But I do know, like, there's a few firms that deal with it. And then they are from Toronto or, like, you know, outlying areas and stuff like that. And they basically come in and they'll say, okay, this is what we'd like to see happen. But it might not always happen because it might not be possible. Because recreating some of the stone and brick, well, like you can't get it. Yeah. Some of the stuff you got to get from England. You know, when we were doing uh, St. Mike's, we were basically, uh, all the bricks that had to get replaced came from England. They got shipped. It's big money on projects. Well, Canada like is part of the Commonwealth. <laughs> technically speaking, we are British. I'm yeah. just saying it out there. Look did at you your say, money. Did you say brickish? We're brickish. <laughs> <laughs> but, but getting back, the union environment, it's really, really good for young guys because, again, teaches you how to work, teaches what the standard is, and it also gives you a ton of hours. If you want to work in the union, you can work. You can well, work seven but days a some, week. But there's something that's really important. Most of the guys in construction don't get, and that's Here health and safety. <laughs> Well, that's another big as thing. As much as it's a headache. No, no, no. no it's no, no. really important. The thing is, like, I got a ton of, I got a book of tickets. I got a book of certifications. And I can't hate them for that at all. And in fact, I would say that it was an advantage going, again, when I was young. And then you got to make a decision. Because you get to a point where you're like, okay, I've done a lot of this work. I'm kind of looking at this. For me, there was like a little bit of a political thing. And I just was like, you know what? Do I want to be dealing? Okay, I'm dealing with this now at 24, by the way. At 24, in my trade, I'm sitting here, I'm going, do I want to deal with this or do I want to roll the dice? And I said... It's true, man. And I said, you know what? dice. Let's roll them. Because at 24, what do I have? Maybe a mortgage, maybe a girlfriend, maybe a kid. You know what I mean? Like you probably don't have all of that responsibility, all of that leaning on you. So you roll the dice and you go out there and you make it happen. And that's kind of like 
every morning. That's what it is. You know, wake up quarter to six, make it happen. That's yeah, but it. you were driven to wake up. You were driven to go. You wanted to learn. But still, at this point, you're 24, you're eight, nine years into the biz. Mm -hmm. Nobody's formally teaching you yet. No. You're I, still absorbing? Yeah, I'm still absorbing. But, I mean, I, I, take, I see this line pop up every once in a while. I think it's from Da Vinci. And it's like at 70 or 80, he was like, I'm still learning. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of the concept. It was sort of like, okay, I'm, I'm learning all this. But I wasn't getting what I really wanted to know, which was like, you know, the production side of brick lane, the production side of block lane. I was doing a lot of resto, like very finicky work, you know, meticulous stuff where someone's going to come out and say, okay, that's, you know, three mils out. You need to redo it again. So it kind of creates this like standard with you. Wow. You definitely worked for the city. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> three next mils. Thing, yeah. That's three, exactly. Where it's yeah, at. exactly. Three mils out. And then next thing, you know, I just said, okay, let's roll the dice. Started my company. Basically I created my own opportunity. I could work for whoever I wanted. I could not work for whoever I wanted. I could dictate my own hours. That's kind of where it's going. I think that like, you know, education is like really, really important because you have to get trained. And now also let's touch base a little bit on the takeover from the ministry. Oh, by the way, in, in that midst at 22, I wrote my red seal. Oh, and a big shout out to the OMTC, Ontario Masonry Training College. I think uh, Mario's still there. A little bit hard to get along with, but he's a good guy. <laughs> you know, um, he'll probably hear this and that, be like, that, ah, I don't like that. that means he's doing his <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah, no, for sure. He's not your friend, but he is good and he does a really good job and they teach some really good stuff. Like that's another thing too. I, you know, after I came out of college, I basically pursued the brick lane seal because they don't have a restoration seal. They do, but it's kind of like neither here nor there. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's go brick lane. So I went to school for brick lane, all three levels. And then basically at the end, got my red seal, went wrote my CQ, 22, I'm a fully certified tradesman. Now let me do some basic math here. At 18, I got four years in the, in the industry. Let's say you don't take your summers off and you earn for two months, okay? So you make 15 bucks an hour, you know, 600, I think it's like 600 a week, something like that. You got some money in the bank. You're definitely not broke. Now at 18, let's say instead of going to college, I went directly into the program. Here's the thing. Eight months out of the year, you're working for somebody. You're earning still. And then when you go into the program, you claim EI. And then on top of that, the government gives you grants. So you're making money. Yeah, you make a thousand bucks per level, 2000 when you complete it. So they'll give you four grand. That's incentive. Right? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. But what do you have to pay back? That's the problem. You don't have to pay back anything. Okay, okay that's great. Grants. No, I know, but I've heard of grants having to be paid no, back. No, not, not with Brick Lane. Not with Brick Lane. So you don't have to pay these things back. Next thing you know, 18, 19, you're making 40, 50, 60. Let's say you make 70 at 22. At 18, you're fully certified. You're making around 60, 70. I think the average for a bricklayer is like 58. But you're 22 making 58. There's some people that's who... Good there's some people who come out of university... With $100,000 in debt. Making a quarter of that. Making a quarter of that. And the thing is, and, and all you have to do is show up to work, work hard, and get your hands dirty a little bit. Why Fuck, is you're no... making me feel like I want to go back right? and start school all right? over again, man. And, and okay, so, so, let's, so, so there's a big plus. Now, here's where we're going now. And this is, this is, again, this is speculation. But now with the ministry taking over, okay, because we had the College of Board and Trade. You know, guy signed you up and you never see him again. There's a lot of guys out there who are really good at what they do and don't go to school and write their CQ exams. But with the ministry taking over, these guys, what do they like to do? They like to check for tickets. 
That's all they're going to do. That's all they're going to do. So what's going to happen is they might start coming on site and they might ask you, you know, where's the one-to-one? Where is this? Where's that? Now that's all speculation. But the thing is, they're going to be all, they're already in that mindset. The college board tree kind of le- left people alone, I think a little bit, whereas these guys might interfere a little bit more. That's where you, you that, think? That's where I think it's going to go. Okay. But what I also do is I think there'll also be more of an emphasis on education and more of an emphasis on people writing their CQ exams. Because the thing is, did I use everything that I learned in school? No, I don't use that every day. But it is good to know because knowledge is power. And one thing they can never take away from you is schooling. Exactly. Or what you've learned already. Or what you've learned already. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's sort of the experience, right? And, and the other thing too is one of the major things with millennials, and I, I know we've t- you guys have touched base on it and stuff Listen, like that. Listen, I haven't said anything. There's lots to There's lots of But one of the major things, and, and you guys kind of like fish around it a little bit, it's accountability. Mm-hmm accountability 100%. You guys say, oh yeah, you know, these guys don't show up on time. That's somebody who's not accountable for themselves being on time. Yeah. When they sit there, you got to, as an apprentice, by the way, and by the way, I got hit a lot coming up the ladder. A lot. There were a lot of obstacles in my way, being the youngest. By the way, when you walk on site as the youngest guy, oh, oh you, man, guy, guys look at you and they're like, who the they probably actually looked over each other's shoulder to see if you were the youngest to confirm yeah before they actually started to yeah who's this kid yeah. why is he on site no but Did you can earn your position me? in any crew i know but the thing is though when you're when you're you young gotta prove and, it yeah exactly but the thing is also 18 coming off of a college course when a lot of these guys sort of poo-poo education Mm-mm. like these guys look at you and they're like okay we're gonna make this guy bleed like that's what we're gonna do because it, it is that sort of mentality but i'm saying we're getting away from that we're slowly the, the construction worker as of now is way more educated than the, edu- than oh, the yeah, construction sure. worker of 10 years ago because there's safety training all this other stuff put in place you know what i mean you need to learn these things so this sort of stigma of like you know construction as a last resort don't come to construction if it's a last resort for you no, Don't but that's, that. it's always going to be that way, though. I know, but the thing... No, that's that's the general consensus. That's where it, we get handy. You get from. the other people that have their $100,000 in debt because they went for whatever, CPA. They went to all these medical, lawyer, all this other shit. They still look at us like we're beneath them. But they don't realize that you can make... Just look at the list of big corporations that were started by contractors. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. Your infrastructure is being built by millionaires and some of them even billionaires, and they were all contractors. It goes back to what he said, too, is that you prove to people that you show up every day early. You're there every day. You do what you're told. You're accountable. You become an important chess bot. You know, like you become very important. Chess piece. Yeah, chess chess piece. piece. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, hang on. That was quite a whirlwind, man. Amazing. Thank you very much. We got to do a little segment. Oh, it's called Building Code Talk with Manny. Do you guys know how many parts there are in the Ontario Building Code? I'm going to say... Take a guess. 10. 12. Oh, my God. Carlito's right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Manny. I set the bar, I think. There are 12 parts to the Ontario Building Code. Do you guys understand what all those decimals and numbers and brackets after each number? Yeah, there's subsections. Yes. So it starts off with the part. Then the next number goes to section. The next number goes to subsection. The next number after that is the article. And then after that is the sentence. And then the clause. And then the subclause. So when you're going through it. Now... 
Let's go through the 12 parts. <laughs> <laughs> Part one, scope and definitions. Part two, general requirements. Part three, use and occupancy. Part four, structural design. Part five, wind, water, and vapor protection. Part six, heating, ventilation, and AC, HVAC, as okay. we all know it. Part seven, plumbing. Part eight, sewage systems. Part Hang on, nine. My, my favorite, part nine. <laughs> part nine, housing and small buildings up to 6,000 square feet. So you can actually not need an engineer. We all know this. Part 10, change of use. Part 11, renovations. Part 12, transition, commencement. Mm. Those were the 12 my parts. My second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and that was? That was Building Code Talk with Manny. <laughs> and we are talking to Mark Frazier from Craigmore Construction. Yeah. And it's at, what is it? Craigmore underscore? Yeah, construction. Construction. Yeah. And the website is Craigmore, and it's more spelled M-H-O-R yeah. dot C-A. Dot C-A. For you American friends out there. <laughs> uh, and let's get back into talking about, man. This is fascinating, Carlito. It's fantastic. You want to sign up, don't you want to sign I, up? I almost feel like I'm on his podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, keep, take, take, keep so, going, man. So, like, I guess what I'm, what I'm looking at is if you stay accountable, you have to be accountable for your education and all the way through, okay? That's something that, you, see, I don't know if you guys have had the uh, pleasure of ever hiring a university guy, like a guy who's like, couldn't make it. Okay, so I have. No. So I hired a university guy, and this guy was a worker. He came every day on time and you know what it was when you go to university or college you get the habits you wake up you go to class because nobody's kicking your ass to do it no one's sitting there going you have to go no teacher doesn't care if you come or if you if you go he doesn't care environments like that when i went to college like you got to be on time you got to get this done yeah like it creates this well you're gonna waste your time exactly exactly you're gonna waste your time and your money and you start realizing that so that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of young guys right now, you know, you got to be accountable. Show up on time. It's the simplest thing. Be early. If you always show up, you're never going to be out of a job. It's missed opportunities. It's a huge missed opportunity. Well, there's a lot of importance that like I never went to college and I never went to university, mm-hmm. but I went to military police school. I picked up habits early, early in the morning, yep. work, shut up, do it, accomplish it, yep. and then play. I, I learned that and it became a habit. And then you, you hold yourself accountable and then you start realizing like, that's another thing with apprentices that are coming up right now. And this is, this is kind of a shout out to the guys that might be stuck in, in sort of a toxic kind of apprenticeship where they don't think they're learning. I as love much. that you said that yeah. toxic like, is because you know, no, no, listen, if a client comes up to you guys and starts just yelling at you and giving you all kinds of shit, depending on who they are and where you are in the relationship, because you're businessmen, you'll probably take it and be like, okay, you know, like whatever. And you'll it's try true. to call and you'll calm down the situation because you guys are entrepreneurs. And the other thing too is you probably have a lot more to lose on the back end by losing your shit. If you're an apprentice and you're getting abused by your boss and you're not doing what you want to be doing, there is opportunity out there. Be accountable for your own education in this trade. If he's only got you pulling wires and you want to be doing like outlets or something like that, go find another company that does that. But that's something that I wish I did when I was an apprentice is I wish I bounced around a little bit more because what happens is then you have this broad spectrum of education and then you become these sort of legendary tradesmen that people talk about because you've seen it, you've done it. The younger you are that you can do it, the more experience you gain on that and then the better you are as a tradesman going forward. Yeah, that's That's just, and that's just how it should be. I mean, I'm sitting here now, 32, I got 14 years experience. Do I know it all? No, I don't know it all. But I know a little bit. 
And I could probably look at something and go, mm, like I can look at a wall and probably go, okay, that's double white brick. That's double white stone. That's this type of stone. I can get it from here. I can get it from there, you know, and I can kind of break it down. You have solutions to problems. Exactly. Exactly. Problem solving. So you are problem solving. As a tradesman, you are problem solving. This is not a backstop for people. Okay. This is a growing industry. Well, it's this so is what separates you from a normal guy. When you, when you can problem solve, you're above just a normal contract. Well, and that comes now. from experience. And that's what I'm saying is get the trade, then get the experience behind it. The only person that's in charge of that is you, you as the apprentice, you, if you're not liking the situation that you're in, trust me, you can throw a stone right now. You can find work. How many guys do you know that out of this whole COVID thing stopped working? Nobody did. Nobody. Everybody was still no, working. No, Every I know. I know a lot of people that did. I know. I know a couple guys, but what I'm saying is let's, let's say renovation. But they were smart. They saved their money. No, they, 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 they had a nest. They yeah. refocused. That's and all they did. We, me and man have been talking. A lot of guys have re thought out their life and their new direction. This has been a real restart for a lot of people that life's important and it's short. Enjoy it. Mark, you realize that you're an anomaly, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Like, I'm like, like I'm, I look at my, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, uh, like, yeah, I'm not no, real. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, okay. You I've, must be I've, Croatian. <laughs> I've met all the guys at those ages. I've met those guys at the 18s, the 20s, the 30s. They're driven by Tinder. They're driven by other shit. They're driven by social. No, you're they're, right. They're not driven. And, and what I get from you is that you're looking at, okay, you wake up, you go to the job site, and you look at the opportunities behind that job site and that day and the work involved and who I could sponge off of somebody and what I can learn from this person. And you're right. There's work everywhere for everybody if you want it. But I think that the majority of guys, your age, your situation are not taking advantage of what you did. So to branch off of that point, I'm hearing what you're saying. What has happened though, and it starts at a lower level. Let's go back a little bit to the high schools. High school, I had shop class. Yeah. I had the sundial program that I could, that I could uh, draw off of. Now, there's no shop class. We're not getting these kids at a young age. Also, did you know this? Everybody passes. Yeah, that's, Every, that's everybody an, passes. Now, I don't want that's another podcast. Does everyone yeah. get a that's gold star? Yeah, but but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is, these guys basically do not get a chance to fail. And I got the saying, it's great. Early success is a bad teacher. Yeah. So what I'm sitting is is you got to fail. You got to do this. But the thing is, we also have to get these guys in at a young age, sixteen to eighteen. You don't really know what you want. If you do, fantastic. Take that torch and run as far as you can. Be the best every day. Wake up, grind it out. You know, if you want to be a pro athlete, go be a pro athlete. And that's something that, you know, I can thank my, my parents for is they basically said, we don't care what you do as long as you're the best at it. As long as you just get up in the morning, you go and you be the best at it. I was sort of, you know, nurtured in that environment. I, I got to ask, what's your background? Guess. It's not creation. No. <laughs> okay. Ready for this? Well, it's, well, it's bricks, stone, so it's got to be Irish, no, Scottish? No. Scottish, yeah. The other part is East Indian. East no Indian? Way. Yeah. Grandfather's straight out of Calcutta. Oh, wow. No yeah. way. Yeah. I never thought that. So, yeah. So people look at me and they think, you know, Portuguese, Italian, Croatian, you know, and I kind of run with it sometimes. I have worked with Portuguese. I picked up a couple words here and there, but... You always do. You always do. It's the bad ones. But anyways, but, you know, it's, it's just get up. As, as a young guy, you know, at 16, everybody wants to be on their phone, create the app, make the money. But what I'm saying is you need to go to school for that. 
If you need to go to school for technical, that's going to cost money. What we're doing in the industry right now as apprentices, you're making money while you're learning basic math, no, basic but, math. But you're saying something important. A lot of guys don't know how to make money. No. And a lot of guys are unhappy because they haven't learned how to make money. And the other thing too is, okay, listen, if you want to be on, you know, your phone trying to get the new app and da, 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 and you want to work retail and make nine bucks an hour for somebody else when they're charging you for 20 and all that other stuff, fine. You can do that. But I'm saying there's a different avenue. This industry is so vast. And the other thing too is there's some really neat stuff you can do too. Let's say you start young, 16, 17, 18, right? By the time you have like, let's say 16, you start by the time you're 23 and fully certified, that's seven years in the industry. If you're in the right company, you might be consulting or a foreman or superintendent so, or a super. Oh my God. So you read drawings all day. Construction do, manager. Uh, the list is endless. How many administration guys do you know in construction? Like the, the, the list is long, right? Yeah. For these large companies and know what they get. They get benefit packages. They get pensions. They get trucks. They, they get, get trucks. Phones. They get phones. They get like, gas cards. Like, like yep. This is just like. They don't have to work fan, hard. It's fantastic. Now that's if you go that way. Now here's the benefit and you know, of being an entrepreneur. Something I realized very quickly when the COVID thing happened. And by the way, it did affect our business. We were on a really large job. I had a bunch of material tied up. And then all of a sudden the lockdown hit and they said, you're going to be in plain sight of the bylaw. I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, no, I'm just going to move to another job. Grandfathered in and, and go by the rules, right? The thing when you start your own business, there's no ceiling. There's no ceiling to what you can earn. No one's sitting there going, okay, you come in, you punch the clock 40 hours a week. Here you go. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to work hard in your own business. And there is a lot of licks you take, a lot of licks you take, but no one's sitting there going, okay, you know what? Like you only work six hours a day. I'm only going to pay you this. No one's doing that. There's no ceiling. You can know well, the sky's the limit. Right sky now. is the limit. Hang you on. can, you could charge anything you want right now, but yeah. okay. So you're saying there's no ceiling. My first year of construction, I learned really quickly that every single trade had a cap. Based on how many hours there are per day, mm -hmm. how many days there are per week that you can work, mm -hmm. how many weeks you can work the year, it had a cap. So the only way that you could actually make more money as a result of it was you start building a bigger business where you bring on more guys, you're doing sub less trades. work and you start, yeah, sub trades and all this other stuff. So when you're saying there's no ceiling, explain that. I guess the way I'm comparing it to is like the 40 hour work week. Yeah. That's what I'm comparing it to is I'm looking at these guys. Like the thing is. If you're in your own business and you're educated and everything's going well, you don't have to work that 40 hours to achieve what somebody else is making. That's that exactly point. it. That's what it That's is. Exactly. So, it. so these kids, so you're saying, okay, you know what? Maybe this kid doesn't want to work hard. Okay. Well, this is what you do. Grind it out from 18 to 22. You're going to get paid all the way through. Have your eyes set on maybe starting your own. Think about what you got to do. Ask questions to other people who are in their own businesses. You know, we're, by the way, entrepreneurs as a community, we like other entrepreneurs. There's so many clients that I have that are well, entrepreneurs. We work together as a team. Yeah. But there's other entrepreneurs. I, I worked, I did this great heritage house, really nice people. Went out. I said to the guy, he owned his own company. I said, Hey, listen, can I ask you a big favor? I said, you own a really big corporation. I said, do you mind if you and me sit down for breakfast and you and me just have a little conversation? How receptive about was he? He was over the moon. They usually and, are. And you know what? The information he gave me took care of a lot of my entrepreneur anxiety. I don't know if you guys have that where you wake up at 3 a.m. in cold sweats and you're thinking about the job and he took that completely away. He said, you know, I asked him, how do you treat competition? How do you do this? And he just kind of gave me his answers. And here's a guy older than me 
giving me his knowledge almost for free. And I'm going, this is going to change my life. And that's how you have to be as an apprentice too. You have to be looking around at your environment. You have to be looking around your surroundings. You have to be willing to learn and let it kind of happen to you. You're going to take a lot of stuff early on. You're going to take the abuse. You're going to do that. But some guys also have great apprentices and don't, don't take abuse. I'm just giving like worst case scenario here. There's some guys that, you know, they've, they've done carpentry. They've done that. They've gotten on with really good crews. They've learned really good stuff. And then it's like, they've had a great relationship, but those guys are earning money. A lot of kids these days are like, how am I going to afford a house? How am I going to do this? It's kind of like their fate is already set yeah. and they're kind of missing the point. And I'm just saying this apprenticeship, the way that it's geared is it's geared for you to earn, learn how to work and make money while getting educated. There is nothing yeah. out there right now that does that. Every day in construction is an apprenticeship. Yes. Everything 100%. we do is an apprenticeship. Yeah. If you really pay attention to it all. Well, you know, the, the other day we did a really, really small job banged out a bunch of brick, did like some parging. You know, we used a new product. We got educated on the new product. We said, okay, that's a rapid set. We need to kind of load Boogie. it up that way. Yeah, we need to go. And then the other thing too is, is when we were finishing it, we're like, okay, we got to finish it that way. Exactly like you're saying, you know, it's that Da Vinci thing at 70. He's going, I'm still learning. If you keep that going forward in like, that's the other thing. Apprenticeship does gear you towards that as well. It gears you towards learning. Yeah, you start thinking. Yeah, you start way. thinking, okay, you know what? Like my schooling has taught me this, but this guy kind of does it this way. It's more efficient. Okay, I'm going to switch and, and kind of move this around. And then you, you build yourself. It's people are like, I want to find myself. Find yourself in construction. It, it's just, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a therapeutic thing. You get to work outside. You're not in an office. You'll have days of stress. You'll have days of leisure. You'll, you'll have days where you earn and you'll have days where like you won't. Like, I'm, sure, I'm sure Mark, you figured out that if you can make the same amount of money in 25 hours as you were in 40 hour weeks, yeah, that's what you're working on. Oh and, yeah. And all these trades out there. Cause I get a lot of phone calls and DMS from guys asking me, what else can I do? Because they honestly feel that there is a ceiling, but I agree with you. There isn't a ceiling. There's not. No, there the isn't. moment that you realize that you could make the same amount of money in a shorter period of time, that's when you start realizing that there's huge opportunities well, here. I really want to say this because this is what changed my life and everything I do, not just construction. You can use it in anything in life. When I was young, I started working early, 13. I, you know, I had to work hard. I told you I went to school, worked midnights. You know, I was always working, 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 working. I would go to my friend's fathers that were millionaires at the time, and I'd say, how'd you make your first million? And this isn't my personal time. This isn't in my work time. I'm with my friends hanging out at their house, and while my friends go to the bathroom or do something, I go up to their father and I, or their mother, and I say, how'd you make your first million? And I would ask that question all the time. What I learned from all of them that were multimillionaires or millionaires or just really well off is, and this is what changed me in my life. It wasn't about what I was doing in life. It was about my attitude was towards money. I learned how to make $2,000 and I was stuck at $2,000 and I couldn't break $2,000. Then I read a book. It taught me how to make $3,000. And then I read another magazine and talked to another person. I started making $5,000 a month. Then I learned how to make 10. But the trick to it is, is once you learn to make two, three, five, or 10, you never lose that. You could go bankrupt. You could start over again and you will always know how to make 10,000 a month because you learned it's education. They can't take it from you. 
They, that's yeah, what that's it is. right. They can't that's take what, what you've learned. You said learn like 20 times in that thing. Yeah. You know what I do with people who are successful, more successful than me? This is what I do. I turn to them and I go, mm-hmm. I ask them, what do you read? They always tell me, and you know what? It's, it's just learning. But the thing is, if you're a young person, if you're, tr- like you said, if you're trying to reinvent yourself, you've just woken up and realized, oh, this company doesn't actually really need me right now. Okay. I want to reinvent myself. I'm telling you, this is a way you can earn and educate. This does not exist anywhere else. Only in construction. Apprenticeship, it's the way to go. Get your seals. Get your training. The thing is these days... Get them young. Get them and get them young. The OEAP program, I don't know where it's at right now. It kind of seems like it's on life support. I'd really like to see that come back. I'd really like to see the younger generations kind of, you know, getting back into the shop. It's a huge yeah. liability for high schools and stuff like that to take on. It shouldn't uh, be. Has the trade, the the brick trade gotten worse since you got into it or better? Looking at it then, have you looked at Stats Canada? Is it still 57? Can't I haven't looked. Personally, I haven't looked at it, but I'll tell you what I have been on the receiving end of. This is really funny. You'll get a kick out of this. We were working for a client periodically, and then all of a sudden, he disappeared. I was like, okay, you know, whatever. It happened. <laughs> it happens, you know. He just he just kind of like the pink went away. Yeah, he just went away, and we were just like, okay. And it didn't really phase us any. Like, he was doing, he was doing some money with us, but not like a hole where I'm like, oh, where is this guy? Calls me up this year. Goes, hey. Hey, Mark, how's it going? It's Lou, you know, it's this guy from wherever. And I said, okay. I said, uh, how's it going? He's like, good. You still doing the thing? Still doing the brick thing? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, okay. Well, I called you because you're in my Rolodex and I've called everybody else and they're either retired or dead. (laughs) I'm not even, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. That is exactly what he said. He By says, the way, oh, Manny might not know what that is because he has a computer, but I have one. Of I those. know what a Rolodex <laughs> is, man. But but literally, he's like, I, I found You're the like, only one. Yeah. He was like, out of like, you know, the five or six guys that I called, you're the one that picked up and everybody else is getting out of it, man. And I was like, it's happening. I was like, it's finally happening. I've waited and it's happening. No, but and, you built a name for yourself. Yeah, and, and then you've and impressed then, people along the way and people remember that. Really short story. We did this work for the guy yesterday. Actually, this is crazy. Sent me an email at nine o'clock at night. He actually said that the work was so good. He actually tipped me, believe it or not. And he that said, doesn't happen. I got, I got a tip this like, week. Like it, it, like it hardly ever happens. And the guy, the guy, <laughs> not that tip, <laughs> not Manny's tip. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Don't look in the We're, same directly. I don't want to take the black light. That, that, that was the Sharif school. <laughs> so, but, but anyways, he, he was like, yeah, I'll write your review. I'll do this. I'll do that. And he, he was like, yeah, I'm really happy with her. Now, as, now, here's just a little bit of education for the clients. If you think the guy has done a good or exceptional job, please compliment your tradesmen. Compliment your contractors. Just say, hey. It's hard. Good. I know Far it's hard. Yeah, but I know you know it's what hard. your compliment is? You get the next job. You get their friend's job. You get their brother's job. You get their mother's job. That's a compliment. And you, so, need, and you need to look and you need to see that. But the thing is, it means so much to me. I now have steam for the rest of the summer. Just based on that one guy's the thing. The pat on the a, back. It, yeah. It was a small job. But now I can, mentally, I'm like, the next job, I'm like, we got this. We got this. Yeah, we but got do this the same on the job site too. I do the same for all my sub trades. I always thank my guys for their yeah. hard work. So I always do. I'll walk by and I'll just say like, that looks... That looks amazing. How, man. how many guys do you have working for you right now? One guy that's working with me full time, and I got another guy that comes in part time. 
And is that because he shows up part time, like in the afternoon? Well, we or? we kind of worked it out. You know, we're we're at a grow we're at a growing stage in our company. I'm looking to get actually one more guy in. These full-time. younger guys are your age, older, around my age. One okay. guy's older, and then one guy's around my age. And basically, you know, again, they show up. I've worked with them before. I like their work. It's good. But the other thing too is one thing that we do, not a lot of masonry companies do. We take the small stuff. So I'll say. The other day when you mentioned uh, you were talking about some clients and stuff like that, and you were saying, I couldn't find anybody to bang on a lintel and throw it back in. Yeah. I was licking my chops. I was literally, Carlito, call me. I will come down. I will do it. And the thing I is. I have your card now. Yeah, Why I, do you like those little jobs? Okay. Cash flow. Turnover. They're it's fast. Like, they're fast. You, you go in. You're in. You're out. You're done. If you know what to look for. With the experience I've had. Efficiency. You're efficient at it. You know, the thing is. What we do that's a little bit differently than other masonry companies because I consider myself like new age. A lot of the – we still have hand chisels and we ch- still chisel stone by hand and all that type of stuff. We do things like pre-mixed mortar. The reason for that, I don't have to dump sand and a bunch of cement on someone's driveway and then worry about cleaning it up or if it rains and spilling over. Okay, On top of that, it's made and proportioned in a lab. It has the right PSI and I never have to worry about inconsistencies in a mix. I show up. I add water. Mix it, done. It's in the wall. I know what it's going to be. I called 10 of my guys. They're all busy. God bless them. They're making money. They're busy. They're working. This is a $600 job, that lintel. It's basically a $600 mm-hmm. job all day. You know, what the, well, you know what my customer had to pay? What? $2,500. You know what? Because there was no one there. And you know what, though? That's what you're going to pay. But it wasn't, it wasn't that it was just $2,500. I knew who I was getting. And it was worth twenty five hundred. But let me ask you this question, the Carlito. It's worth twenty five hundred. It was I'm totally sorry. worth twenty five hundred. It. it got done. It got done right, and I don't have to look back. And was you, that a lintel or a lintel? Lintel. <laughs> there's, there's wait. Well, there was a soup involved along the way. <laughs> there's also there's also two aspects that we also look at too. When we're when we're taking on new clients, we kind of look at them and we we look at their project and we try to we try to gauge them as best we can. And then you know if they want to shop us, they can shop us. One of the things that I do is sometimes I look at it and I go, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do this for you. It's generally not something we, we do because it is small. But you know what? Here's my card. Write us a review. Give our card to one other person. That's it. How receptive are they then? Huge. Really? Because not only are they getting the job done, which they probably can't find anybody for. Now it's like, okay, you know, how much does it cost them to hand out my card? Nothing. Zero. Nothing. And guess what I get to do? Extend out my business. And that $500 job hits a $1,000 job. Do I really care about not making the other $500? Missed opportunities, man. Look at all the missed opportunities. Look at at your environment. Look at what's happening. We work. We actually don't work a lot in Hamilton, believe it or not. Where do you mostly work? Where we work is Burlington, Oakville, Toronto, Vaughan. We go out to Vaughan. We get a lot of work with Vaughn. I try to get stuff close to home and it's just like, you know, everybody's calling me. Oh, hey, listen, can you come take a look at this? And the thing is, there's showcase pieces that I see. We just restored a wall from 1932 last year. Completely, it it collapsed out. We redid it in block, reinforced it, poured the slab, did the drainage, everything. Then we reclaimed all the stone, put it back into the wall, and then redid her whole paving up front. The house is huge. We did the chimney. Now we're going back and we're doing the pool stones. They have work for years and we're just so happy to work with them. They're great clients. We love, we love working with them. They're super nice. And you know what? Like there's, there's a relation, there's a rapport there. And I really, that's, that's what I enjoy doing now. 
I love my trade, but now, like I said, my trade is my hobby. My business is my job. So now after being educated in school, coming out, owning my own business, now I'm an entrepreneur. I love building relationships. I love finding contractors that show up, that do good work. I follow up with clients. If a client asks me, Hey, listen, do you have somebody for this? I'll say, yes, I'll go. I'll look for him. Don't want points. I just want the connection. I yeah. want a guy that does good work to make sure they're happy. Cause you know what? If I do that, they're going to give me the next job. They but will. you know, what's more important than all of what you're saying. It's not about taking the job, starting the job, doing the job. It's finishing the job. Yep. Nobody finishes the jobs. Yeah. Like everyone, I, everyone, all the work I get, I'm getting jobs that weren't finished from someone else and it leads to more work. And you also got to rip out what the other guy did because you know, it's not the way you do it. And the thing is we honestly, we don't do that. We do a lot of, we do a lot of masonry repair. We find it's fast turnover. It keeps cash flow in the business. It's just a really nice niche. Also, I can have two crews of guys, myself and another guy and two and another two guys. And I can send them to that job. I can go to this job and we can bang it all out in a day. Everybody's happy. And honestly, it's efficient. That's why I believe my buddy always gives me kind of shit for this, but I believe in the new tools. I believe in the new way of doing things because it's more efficient. A guy with a shovel and a mixer and shoveling, it just, it's too much. Honestly, how about this? How about we just take that guy away and we just throw the bag on and just add water to the mix? It's the same, sh it's the same shit. It's the That's same stuff. I, I don't don't worry about saying shit. Yeah. yeah. No, he already started cursing. Yeah. Okay, hang on. So, Mark, we still want to hear more. I've got a bunch of other things to yeah, ask sure. you. But we are going to do... Uh, but before we do that, what is on your nightstand right now? Wealthy Barber. I read that. Yeah. I just finished The Art of Happiness. I was feeling a little... It's a good book, though. You should read it. Dalai Lama. <laughs> it's on to what? Green Book Talk <laughs> with you. Oh, it's with me. With yes, Carlito. it is. Carlito, Carlito. All right. So, <laughs> Carlito, Carlito, Carlito. We'll, we'll do something a little bit different. They, with you, it's he always looks something really a little, little bit different. <laughs> well, I, I, figure, I figure that you probably work with excavators and forklifts. and Not as much as you'd think. Yeah, but there's got to uh, be yeah, some there, stone some days, being yeah, moved yeah, around. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Employer failing to mark gas or electrical and other oh. services before excavating. What do you think the fine is? What do you mean? You I did want, that one last I No, want, I didn't. I, I, I want scratch to say, everything out. <laughs> I want to. I want to say like fifteen hundred to two grand. Whoa. Somewhere like that. First offense. Oh, first offense. I'd say like eight fifty. Five fifty. Nope. You're both wrong. I'll give you another chance. Cause this is fun for me. Six fifty. <laughs> six fifty oh, and he, one. You both got six fifty. You're both winners. <laughs> and it's crossed out, Manny. Okay. <laughs> we are speaking with Mark Fraser from Craig Hoare. Craig. Craig, Hoare, Craig Hoare. It's all right. It's all right. I'm sure it's did you happened. Call, did you call him Craig Hoare? Craig I was Moore. looking at Carlito. And, Mary, and for whatever reason, Harry. okay, I thought of a whore. All right. <laughs> Sorry, man. Craig Moore Construction at Craig Moore Construction. Yeah, at Craig Moore. So Craig underscore. Yeah. So More Craig Moore. Cra sorry, Craig Moore underscore construction. Triple W Craig Moore M H O R yep. dot C A. C -A. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I do want to say something though, and like as much as we're getting serious and we're sharing our experiences, we're serious. The most important part is that we're having fun. Oh yeah. Like we're having fun doing oh, yeah. what we're doing right now, and we're having fun in real life. I love construction. My wife hates that I talk. Like when we go by and we look at like brick buildings or go walk down, I'm like, oh yeah, you know. Like what does she do? If you want to, you know, we we just had twins. By the way, she's a fantastic. 
fantastic mom. <laughs> I have to say, she's 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 phenomenal. She's been dealing. We've been dealing with this with like almost little to no support for the last like three and a half, they're like three and a half months old. Yeah, like, they're you guys just, are on your own. Everybody yeah, it's, had, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. So she actually uh, she's really good with admin and like just like taking that on. So you know we she kind of watches the website and social media posts and just kind of takes care of that. I, I want to integrate her more into the business because I think that that's going to sort of bond us together more like, mm. as a couple, but I won't get into, you know, that's a different podcast. That's yeah. a, well, I'm, relationship I'm, I'm, I have written down here. Uh, at first we were charging you 86 an hour <laughs> for therapy <but laughs> because your family now will bring it down to 68. Because <laughs> okay. that brings up, I want to ask you, Mark, I want to, okay. So where's the next 10 years? Where's the next 15 years? Cause obviously you've already thought about it. Yeah. So like, like what I would love to do, what I would love to do is I would love to, there's a, there's a couple things. One is I'd like to continue to, to chug my business along in the way that is. I'd like to broaden the spectrum a little bit to get more clients, to get more steady clients, the clients that just call us up and we just want you to do this. We know you do good work. Just keep on doing it. And, and that's happening. So that's good. I think I would like to do some sort of a charity project. At some point, I'd like to do like a Habitat for Humanity, go over to Haiti, build some schools, do that type of thing. You have twins. You're not doing that. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll, well, I got a girl and a boy, so maybe the boy will come with and it'll be Bring good. them along. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about that. More girls are getting into construction now. Yeah. And, and you know what? Honestly, if she wants to get into it, I'm not going to stop her. Honestly, I'll just tell her, you know, this is, I'll just share my experience. To be honest, what I want to do is I want to get them a grass cutting company. That would be fantastic and just show them, you know, go around here, the mowers, here's the truck, have at it, earn, learn how to earn, learn. Six years old <laughs> driving the truck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think like basically charity projects are def are definite. Like I think you should give back. Of course. Teaching like later, later on would be fantastic. And then I'd like to do one masterpiece. So like the way apprenticeship, Ooh, I like this. so the way apprenticeship used to work is basically they would have like a young kid come on and then he'd like apprentice under probably not get paid. And then he'd become a journeyman and then he'd start getting paid. And then eventually he would do a masterpiece. And what that would do is that would then go to the builders guild for like submittal. And then when they would say, okay, that's a masterpiece or that isn't. And that's why you have this gorgeous work in like Italy and Europe and stuff like that. Like these really crazy stuff. This is a global competition or no 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 it was just based on like the region so it was in europe so what they used to do is, is a bunch of people would get together that were masters of their craft and they would basically have a journeyman submit a masterpiece and then they kind of look at it and go oh that's a masterpiece okay yeah we we agree and now you're a master of this that changed when it came over here in around 1835 because that's like when the settlers came and we didn't have as much stone and stuff like that. So yeah. they kind of changed a little bit. And then like the nail gun that you said, things started going into production, started to become machines. So you lost a little bit yeah. of that. And now it's full production. Guys are like full production construction now, you know, square lines and glass, you know, curtain laser, walls. Laser, like laser, laser, laser. So, you know, it's kind of interesting, but I would love to work. I would like our company to take on like a tracery window would be really cool. Like and what is big that? Church. One of, you know, when you stand in the church and you see the stained glass and it's like that round, like rose window. It's beautiful. So I would love to be a part of like a restoration project on that. I think that would just be, I think there's a building in Paris. Yeah, probably. I have, I have, <laughs> some, stained, a lot of I have some stained glass in my house. If you want to restore, I've, I've been, I've been a part of those projects and I've done that work before, but I think like, I would just absorb it more as a tradesman. And I just want to continue to learn. I also really want to get on. I think me personally is when the company makes money and I'm, I'm losing it, <laughs> not losing it, but just like, 
I guess a little bit later on in my life, it's like, I'd love to get on with like, you know, somebody who just does like granite work or something like that. Just to, again, keep me sharp, see how they do it, learn, continue to learn. Because the one thing that people forget is it's journey man, not stop man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you're, you're on a journey. You're yeah. going forward. And the thing is, the construction industry right now, there's a lot of safety. It's a good time to get into it. There's a lot of emphasis on that. People are getting like injured less and we're just, we're really trying to, you know, force that on people before we do anything else. The products are getting better. Safer, it's healthier. Sa it's safer, healthier. I think also like, it's just nice being in a trade where, you know, unfortunately it is kind of dying. I mean, one of the sad things that I see a lot going up is these big precast panels. You know, and it's production. There's it's competition money. Yeah, now. Yeah, Lots exactly. of competition when it comes to cladding. Yeah, and now they also have like that robot bricklaying machine and stuff I've like seen that, that, which is you know crazy. And and it's great for production walls. Like you don't burn out your masons. Like I'm not. I'm not yeah, saying but you can't find bricklayers anymore. That's one thing. But the other thing too is that thing can't do an archer or a chase. No, like it can't do a jog in a wall. But it, it, do it eventually will be able to. Maybe. But the other thing too is, then it comes into the repair. Because the thing yeah. is, you're not going to set that thing up no. to just repair one brick. No. no. Again, that's the niche we've found. That's where we're going because it's just one of those things that you can't find anybody. Are you familiar with King's Masonry? With who? King's Masonry. Like King's Masonry, like the actual product? No, no. King's Masonry, the yard, the stone up in uh, North really? I, I haven't been there yet, but actually I we use King's product though. We so use only I that. was actually there and the reason I, I was there for another project and they actually have limestone pillars and stone from all over the world and it's just it's it's not just veneers it's actual solid yeah. pieces and i would love for somebody in toronto to actually build a proper toronto or brownstone home yeah with actual pillars arch proper yeah. stone you know lentils and everything like that man i would love to see nobody does that no you mean, nobody you mean right. stone lentil yeah, stone. Yeah, yeah. An actual solid, like the same way that you were talking about earlier on, where you know you're you're, you're facing it the proper way, you're doing the reveal, all that shit. I would love to see that. I would yeah. love to someone pull because they, you're right. They, most of the time, bring me the large panels, bring me this material, bring me that veneer material, bring me some sort of siding wood or something. I've seen I've seen a couple homes in one of the areas that we work in where they do these massive like uh, you know erections of like full-on limestone Whoa. the pillars like you're talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks carly we, we almost need yeah. a red that's, light that's, here that's yeah, two cents. There. <laughs> so uh erection so, means something else yeah. okay <laughs> but but you know what it, it's one of these things that if we don't do arches arches will die out if we yeah. don't if we don't do carving carving will die out i you love know? arches and, i and love carving thing, i love I, I love arches too I love them too. And the thing is, there's a difference between a good arch and a bad arch. Oh, yeah. There's production arches, yeah. and then there's like really nice arches. There sure is. You know what I mean? Like we did a custom fireplace for a, for a client where they put a fire bowl inside, and I had to do a moon, like a, like a window kind of thing. So I remember I was sitting there, and I laid it all out in my shop, and I had like the lines all drawn, and I did the math, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay. And then I laid it all out, and it was laid out in my shop before I shipped it there. And I was like, this is cool. I really like this because it was like, I got to make something. It's a one of a kind. It looks fantastic. The client was over the moon with it. And I got to use all the knowledge that I had to just make this thing.
that's really rewarding. Is that where you used your schooling? Tons. Like I, I went back to books and I looked at the arch. Like I did all the calculations and I went, okay, it's going to be this to this. Took it down to the millimeter and I grinded here and I grinded there. It wasn't just like, okay, four inch. Yeah, just throw it in if the joint varies. No, because this guy, apparently later on I found out, this is the guy that if something was wrong, he was going to tell you. And mm. when I was done, he was like, that was really good. And I was like, awesome. And I had no idea this was like the guy that if you, if you were going to be off, this isn't the guy to be off with. Like if you're like an eighth here, eighth there, he was going to be like, that's off by an eighth. And he, he won't be shy about it. No, he won't be shy about it at all. <laughs> and he actually tipped me at the end too. He was like, oh, here, here's, here's what we owe you. And by the way, here's something for... Why the hell are all you bricklayers getting tips, man? It is hard. Like, make no mistake. It is hard work. Yeah. It is hard work. But it's work. all hard work. It's all, but you know what? There's something to be said when you're hot and kind of sweaty at the end of the day and you can really look at what you did. The other thing too is I've immortalized myself through my work at a very young age. There's buildings I've touched that will not be restored again. I'll be dead and gone by the time that happens. That drives me as well. That's another driving fire. And you just kind of find it. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. I think you said this on another podcast. It was like, you know, every five years, someone thinks about redoing their kitchen. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like you can put in all this tile work and get, and get all this, but then someone's going to come and. But the brick off. will always be but there the, for generations or generations, man. And if you do historical restoration, there's a good chance that only that time, like they won't touch it for another 50, 60 years. And that's just fantastic. I can't believe how many podcasts you've been listening to. I got to watch what I say. Huh? You know what? I just, <laughs> I wrote that down. I wanted to say thanks for listening that. Oh, like, of course. <laughs> like, I mean, you got to be prepared. You got to uh, be prepared. I do like arches, but I, I'm going to jab at the Portuguese. Okay. I don't like the reverse arches that are the railings. And then they put the little half moon railing inside them. <laughs> Okay. I can't fucking stand those, man. And even my old man wanted to do them at some point, and I, I had to argue with him about that. I'm like, don't do that. Please do not do that, man. That's total <laughs> there, Portuguese. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing better than like a really good brick arch. I did a segmental on a on a production home. I charged way less than I should have, but you know, again, it's it's nice for the gram and it's it's good picture and stuff. But like it was that. satisfying that you pulled it off and you had oh, it. Oh yeah, and I'm sure well, that it will get you another lead. Exactly. And the other thing too is then I I proved it's it's proven to myself in my education and being like, hey, listen, you can do this. You know, when we saw the 1932 house and they were they showed me the wall, like honestly, the thing was kicked out huge. It had completely collapsed on its own. Just uh, yeah, weathered like, over like time? just weathering over time and some bad repairs here and there. And it looked like they tried to like scab in block and it just, it just let go. And I kind of looked at it and I went hummed and hot and it's a lot of dirt that we had to move. And then next thing you know, I'm just like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And the reason why I did it was to challenge myself as a tradesman because I was like, okay, I can walk away from this. Or I can take the next level. I can take the next step. I can take the next step in my journey. And I decided to do that. It turned out to be a showcase. Really nice piece. Re I'll show you some pictures of it later. It's really, really nice paving. It's like old school, like almost like a flower, yeah. like inlay. Massive stones. We did it. Client was thrilled. They got 400 square feet back on their house. Like, for example, they couldn't sit on the patio. That's how bad it had collapsed. Oh, wow. So the patio was up top and the wall was six feet. So when it collapsed, every, all the stones came with it. So they actually got a piece of their house back that they weren't using. And that was another big thing. For and they were too. paying for that space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Through taxes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then next thing, and now I'm the guy. And then they, you know, <laughs> I like no, that. It's true. Now, and now, now I'm, the, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> they know? call and, you. And that, yeah. And that's, but that's important. And, and in every trade, you can be that guy or that girl that makes the difference. 
Well, it's, it's funny where I am at in my career now. Another thing that I would like to do is mentor younger guys coming up. Like if anybody wants to reach out to me and like ask me questions or say, you know, this is the problem, you know, please do, because I want to share my experience. I want the trade to go forward. I want people to get involved in this industry. I really think there's a lot of potential. I want it to go forward. There was a young guy who called me. I met him just randomly at like a social event or whatever. Next thing you know, he called me up. He says, Hey, listen, you know, I said, I, I got this job. I don't really want it because, you know, I'm efficient at this, but I'm not efficient at that. And I said, and I, and you look like you'd be efficient at that. And I really don't want to get my guys with shovels and start doing it by hand. I said, cause we, we have a lot of other projects and I don't want to overextend myself to the client and then not show up. I said, okay, fine. And I said, how's business going? He kind of, hey, this, you know, not so good COVID this and that. And I said, okay. He told me he was doing a job and he called and now he calls me all the time and he, he asked me for my advice. And now I'm at the mentoring role which I really enjoy. And he asked me, he says, I'm doing all this extra stuff. What should I do? And I said, okay, how much do you generally charge? He gave me the price. I said, okay, this is what you do. I said, it wasn't on the original scope. He goes, no. I go, this person's giving you how many jobs? He goes this. I said, okay, this is what you do. You half it. You tell them, this is what I generally charge, but I'm going to give you this, but here are my cards. I want one reference. Do you care about the 500 bucks that you lost on that job? If you get 20 grand on the next one, he goes, no. I said, and that's how you build. Keep building that. Keep going forward and just keep doing that. Follow up with your clients. They haven't written you the review. Hey, listen, I was just wondering. Da, da, da. It takes them nothing. Make a joke out of it. Make a just, joke out of it. Just yeah. be light about it. And you know what? I guarantee two things will happen. Either one, they'll call you and they'll say, ah, there was a little like whatever. And as a tradesman with integrity, you'll go and you'll fix it. And they'll be like, wow, that guy's great. Like we really like that guy. Or they'll be like, hey, actually, you know what? Someone called me and I lost your card. And actually, I'm glad you're calling me because now I can give you their information. It just keeps on broadening. I just recently talked to someone really close to me that's brought me a lot of business. The one thing that she had said to me was she has a hard time finding contractors to go back to fix their work. For the guys that do go back, they always end up getting work from it. So it's important that you go back and you finish your work or you fix your work, even if it's not your work, going and finishing something or doing something for your customer. And by the way, we're not saying contractors go out and spend thousands of dollars to, you know, right. fix this. No, what we're saying is go out, you know, if it's like a little bit of caulking or you got to fill a hole or something like that, whatever, just do it. It will pay off in spades. By the way, what I'm saying right now is like 12 years of experience, like, took me to this point to figure that out. But one of the advantages that I had is I was never call hesitant. So I always called my clients back. I always followed up. If you do that, you're golden. Honestly, call. And it's the same thing with the apprenticeship program. So many times the administration screws up. They put you in level one instead of level two. Call them, follow up. They are human. You are responsible for your education. Keep going. Follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Well, here's the important thing. How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as the guy or do you want to be remembered as the guy that you know really many times ruins someone's I, life? I get an email from a client or from a subtrade and then I respond back to them and they always reply back first by saying, thank you for getting back to me so quickly. And then we're talking about, I'll get back to you the same day or the next day. That's it. Or I'll arrive on site for a meeting and the client will like, you're on time. I was like, no, we actually set up a meeting for eight. I'm here 10 minutes before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, well, that's not the norm. Why don't you just live up to these expectations that they are so used to? And then all of a sudden you'll look that much better. I guarantee you, your 
one step closer to actually getting the job without having uh, said anything 100, else. 100%. And like, it's, it's really funny that you brought this up, but like you, you bring that up a lot. And so when you messaged me, I called you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was just like, I was just like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll give him a call and just make sure everything's okay. But that's how I am. That's how I am. That's how you should be. And that's how you should be. That's like you... that shouldn't be an anomaly. Yeah. That should just be the starting point. How, how cheap is it for you to call somebody? You want to make money? Give them a call back. Just people, back. I, well, I agree. There's two groups of people. There's the person that has succeeded and they want to share their, their wealth, their, 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 their knowledge, everything. And then there's the assholes. That's yeah. all it is, right? So the guys who don't want and they look at you as competition. And I don't look at you as competition. I don't look at you as competition. The thing is, we all want to help each other because it's all going to pay off later exactly. on. Well, well it. it goes back to what we were saying. You said you want to volunteer. You are volunteering right now. Yeah. This, You're giving this, up valuable this is information about giving right now. back. And this is our time. Yeah. We can never get this time back. Yeah. I mean, Carlito and I only do this because there's like a $10,000 paycheck after every single podcast. <laughs> yeah. I wish, bro. I wish. No, man. There, We're there might fun. be a $10,000. We get to meet some there great people. There may be people. a $10,000 lawsuit because my wife's going to take me to court. <laughs> Your wife's got nothing to do with this. I know because I'm never home. <laughs> Did we cover everything? I, I, th no, I think no. I, I, I really want to ask you something. It's uh, it's really interesting that you know the, the guys that come on the on the podcast, great, fantastic guys, and you know they've listened to a few podcasts. You've listened to many podcasts, yeah, from us yeah. and maybe others. What do you feel that we haven't touched on or that we need to address that we haven't already? We've got a slate set up already, but there's always going to be more topics to talk. What do you feel like that we're, we're maybe missing, you know, listening oh, to it, you okay, always feel okay, like okay. there's something. So, so this is the thing. And this is something I also, I had to kind of come about entrepreneurship in construction, talking to your peers about the problems that you face. Cause there's a lot of guys, like being an entrepreneur, you are always all out. You are putting it all on the line. You are, and that is stressful. There's a lot of people that are just getting a taste of that now because of this whole situation that's occurred. But a lot of people don't have to deal with that. You got to wake up. You got to look your kids, your wife in the face and you got to say, okay, you know what? Today I might not make it. I might not make that buck. And the thing is, as entrepreneurs, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the hard things because everybody wants to appear successful. Oh, they want and the gram, Exactly. Man. Yeah. And the thing is, though, it is not always success. A a buddy of mine, he used to say, I always used to ask him, you know, how's your business going? Oh, it's fantastic. Da, 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 da. And I used to feel bad because when they asked me, you know, when we were starting out, it was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, things are a little tough, this and that. And the next day I was very honest because I'm an honest guy. And then later when I took him, you know, kind of behind the scenes, like, you know, you're doing really well. This He goes, could so, be better. it could be better. You know, like this is happening. You know what I mean? And it's just, no one talks about the hardships. Everybody sees us like at the end game. And no one says like, okay, one, this is what's going to happen. You're going to hit one bad client and he's going to almost bankrupt you. Have no, you had him? Yes. And it I was, have him. It was the I've best. I've had many of I will, them. <laughs> I will tell you something. And this is what taught me a lot. Th this again, this is what differentiates you from other contractors. You learn from that. You do not let it cripple you. You basically get strong from it. You learn from it. You push on, you fight another day, you get up the next day, you finish the job. This guy literally, we're halfway done the job and he went, 
you know, there's a little bit more of a slope here than I'd like. I think you got to take it all out. He also added another 500 square feet when the job was like 700 square feet. It was a bad See, time. I wish, I wish that we were in the 70s. Still yeah, that, 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 that was a bad <laughs> yeah. time. And, and but, then the concrete. But at the end of it, but at the end of it, honestly, the guy paid. He looked me dead in the eyes and he goes, did you learn something? And I looked at him. And I said, yeah, tons. And he went, good. And that was it. That was it. And I ate my shirt on that. I had four or five guys working for me. I just started the company. I was like, a lot of guys don't realize like, you go on your own. Oh, you got so much on your shoulders, but again, man. That's a, that's a complete podcast. Like people, oh, yeah, people, for sure. look, people look at like, like, you know, people look at you and they think, Oh, you're owner of the company. You're making all this money. But the thing is, I think for this podcast in particular, I think that what we're trying to say is you can get educated and earn, but then when you want to make that leap from being a worker to an owner or an entrepreneur, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, well, that's a huge education. And the thing is, that's something that you can't go to business school for. Bill Gates, no, these guys. You, you got to yeah, be on yeah. the ground. You I, gotta, I wanna, I wanna, Manny's probably heard these stories off the mic. There was a time where there were months that, like for six months, I never paid myself. Oh, yeah. And I had many guys working yeah. for me. And I made sure that those guys had their money every week because I didn't want to lose them. Those were guys you, that were unreplaceable. I worked for six months one time without one paycheck. I just carried the company. And what they didn't know was they would just come to work in the morning and they'd go home at night. I had to take a bouncing job mm -hmm. to feed myself yeah. and to do what I had to do for my family. And I'd work all night into the morning to save my business. And it took months and months and you know, I, what I learned in those months was when it gets real tough and you're not making money, put a smile on and just do your best. That's when, that's when you turn it on. That's when you give it everything. And even though you're not making a penny, you give it everything and you will pull through. And I think like this kind of mirrors what we're saying. So we're saying at the beginning stages, you're an apprentice, you can earn money, you can get through this, you can come out of school without any debt, making a pretty decent wage. Yeah. And then... You can think about owning your own, which will be its own set of problems, but it's on that path. And the thing is, what's the difference between the guy who's trying to hit the app and the guy who's running his own construction site? I'll tell you this. There's a lot of guys trying to make an app. There's not a lot of guys trying to get into construction. There's something even more exciting about doing your own entrepreneurship before you even realize it. You know, you start with a hundred bucks in a pickup truck. That's my old story. Yeah. I heard from the guys that I said, yeah. how'd you make your first million? Everyone always said, pickup truck and a hundred bucks. That was the beginning of all the stories to all these millionaires. And eventually, before you even know it, you're a running business, successful. You got a couple trucks, you got a couple guys, you're doing well, and there's work coming in. You don't even have to market yourself when you built a good name for my yourself. My dad does this analogy. He says, you know, it's like the line at the X. You go forward, you look back, and then you realize how far <laughs> that you've actually come. It's kind of... <laughs> Talking about all the other topics, there was a couple of guys that reached out to me from Maple Leaf Construction, and I told you about this, Carlito. Yeah. So these two kids, I call them kids. You guys are all kids to me, man. <laughs> one guy has been in construction longer than the other guy. They're two partners. One guy compliments the other guy. Like yep. One guy's really good on the paper. One guy's really good on the job yep. site, right? They came up with this employee guideline. They actually sat down and came up with these nine pages of how they want to run their business. And they're going to share this with, they've been sharing it with their employees. And we're going to have them on the podcast in about four weeks, five weeks or so. I'm blown away that these guys are doing that. And you're right. Like what you're doing and what these guys are doing, all these other guys are paying attention that gone are the days that construction 
is not that fallback job. It's or, a full-blown career. Or that hidden secret behind the newspaper or behind the paper on the window where no one would ever teach you anything. You now have an opportunity and the tools to learn and people that are willing to give it. And everything is transferable. That's one thing we didn't touch base on. A tape is a tape is a tape. Yeah. You read a tape, you can be a carpenter, a plumber, this or that. You just know how to do it. Hanging pictures in your house, it's a breeze for me. I don't do it. Guys make guys make money doing that. You know what? I'll stop you on that one because there's a few designers that don't know how to fucking rate a tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have one more question for both of you. Yeah. What makes a master? I think that that old school mentality of, well, first, master electrician, master plumber, there's a there's a equivalency test for that. I think that you can take and then you don't have to have signed off. Again, don't quote me on that. But I really do think mastership comes from continuing your journey. And I think it's something that you don't call yourself. It's something that people refer to you as. So you kind of keep this sort of humbleness about you and you keep on going forward. And then maybe your work, you'll be like, wow, that guy's like, that guy's a master of it. And he kind of looks at it like, I'm okay. I really do think that masters of something are humbled people. I don't believe that they're guys going around like, yeah, I'm a master carpenter. I'm a master mason. I was going to say that me personally, to me, what makes you a master is what you leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. As simple your as legacy. that. The work is what you've done and what you like, like how you were talking about the brick and in your lifetime, that's going to be up there. That kitchen will be replaced. That bathroom will be replaced. Everything else, but the brick will be there. Yeah. The stone will be there. Yeah. So I think what makes you a master is what you leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you go into the workday that thinking, like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's Monday. I get it that it's another brick wall. or I, I get it. I totally understand all that. You could also look at it differently too, man. Yeah. What you leave behind. Yeah. For me, being, me saying what makes a master is, is definitely somebody that doesn't just do the basic job. Somebody that is hungry to make it to their top, not to everyone's top, but to their best of their ability and... Just keep climbing for goals. That's what I'm saying is the mentality behind it is like, I'm still learning. Like I'm still going through the processes. Like I haven't evolved past this point, but my work is just evolving, but I'm, I'm just kind of evolving with it. And it's kind of like that flow that you get into. I think a lot of people get into that. And I do think that experience does speak for itself. I think eventually, you know, you, you get to that point if you stick it out long enough. And that's why you got to get in young. Get in young so that you can get that masterpiece when you're like, you know, 40, 50 instead of, you know, being 60, 70 on the scaffold. Like just get in, get young, get involved. This is a great way to earn. It's a fantastic industry. You meet some really good people. You meet some really bad people, but that's going to happen. And learn from those a-holes. Yes. Thank you very much, Mark. <laughs> really appreciate that you, you reached out. We got talking and you're here and you're on the show. This has been valuable, man. Massive. I hope value, so. I hope honestly. so. Honestly. Again, it's... It's um, inspiring. That's it's, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at Craig Moore. Yeah, Craig, sorry, Craig Moore underscore construction. Construction. And then CraigMoore.ca. And it's M-O-H-R Moore. M-H-O-R. Sorry, M-H-O-R. Yeah. And then it's .ca, right? Yeah. So our new little segment. Dum, da, dum, dum, dum. <laughs> So I don't know if you, you're probably not familiar and you're probably not familiar, but I was a huge fan of watching this show called Inside the Actor's Studio with uh, James Lipton. At the end of every interview that he did, he would ask his guests 10 questions. This was based on a Bernard Prevost questionnaire, and it was actually based on a, Mar a Marcel Proust questionnaire. And now I'm making it a construction life questionnaire, but I'm making it construction related. Here are the questions. What is your favorite construction word? 
<laughs> Man, I would say chiseled. Chiseled is good. Yeah. What is your least favorite construction word? I can't say it. It is cunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's I think a that, construction uh, word? Uh, well, no, you're, it you're is. Beating it me. is. You're, you're, you know what? I've, I've heard this word a lot of times. And I know a couple of foremen and superintendents. They say, hey, stop using that if, word. If but they you, say, if you, that if you, guy's a cunt. You, okay, you man, work, like, you're beating me. That's if, number if you work, five. If you, work, if you work with a couple of like Irish guys, they say it all the oh, time. Oh, they say it like it's the. Oh, man. And I'm just like, that's like a sword cutting through. I got to thank you, Mark. I got to thank you because you broke the cherry because we we actually had that word shared on another podcast, but it was done in anger. Yeah. It wasn't done in creativity. Yeah. So this one's going to stay. I'm, I'm sorry for any of our clients that are listening. Like, no. I, I hate that word so, on site. Okay. What turns you on in construction? Really nice architectural features on an old building. Like the stuff that's like up that, see the thing Gothic. is everybody, everybody looks at a building eye level. The thing is, if you really want to know a masonry structure, you got to look up. The Corinthian capitals, <laughs> the archways, up. the ribbing. Oh man, like the gargoyles just, <laughs> and really, really tight brickwork like that. Oh, just okay. What okay, turns, what turns you off? He's getting turned on right now. Turn him off. <laughs> what turns you off in construction? Gray Portland in a wall. It just drives me insane. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite curse word? Fuck. It, it has to be. What construction word. sound or noise do you love? You know what? The chipping gun isn't bad. I'll be honest. Like, I, like if someone has yeah. a chipping gun out yeah. and I hear it in the distance, I'm like, oh, I know that guy's working hard. Like, I know that guy's, <laughs> that guy, that guy's, either, that guy's either saying the word that I hate, there's the word that I love. Because there's a lot of effort to yeah. hold that gun, oh, right? I know. You're way too smart for your own gun. I know. It's, it's either he's saying the word I hate, the word I love, or, you know, and he's working hard. And I'm like, you know, that guy's probably having maybe a shitty day. Like, <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you hate? Oh man, I would have to say when a smoke alarm goes off and you're cutting like, oh. and you're cutting like with dust, that, that's probably that's like brilliant. your heart sinks. Cause you're going, nobody bypassed the goddamn yeah. smoke. Alarm. Yeah. That's pretty bad. <laughs> what profession other than your, that your own would you like to attempt? I'd say carpentry or like heritage carpentry, like timber framing or something like that. I think Old that would, stuff? yeah, I think that would be really cool. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, sandblasting. Yeah, I really, I sandblasting's pretty bad. And the last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> You're in. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much for an amazing wait, podcast. Wait, wait a second. What, what are we going to call this? This is the construction <laughs> life. I'm writing this down right know. now. I'll send you this. <laughs> okay, man. so since it, he he busted our virginity here, yes, well, why don't you help yes. us create? Why don't you help us create? A, what do you a, want a us to call this? this little segment at the end? Because we've got history with Manny. We've got OBC talk with Manny. We got Green Book with Carlito. What's this? I don't know. Questions with the guests. Yeah, or like <laughs> questions for contractors. Questions for contractors. Questions for how about, contractors. How about Ten questions, like ten commandments. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ten, the ten questions. questions. Yeah, I like, I like that. The ten so questions. We're, we're like, going to say so that the ten questions. The yeah. ten the questions. Ten At questions. the very end. Uh, so once again, man, really appreciate it, Mark. No problem. Oh, oh wait man. a second. The ten questions <laughs> with Manny. That's good. That's Let's good. get out of here. So you can find Mark. <laughs> 
at Craig Moore underscore construction and www.craigmore.ca. And you will work anywhere. Call them. You'll do small jobs. You'll do big jobs. All kinds of jobs. Dude, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Get us out of here. 416, come get the money. (laughs) (laughs) T.O., baby. (laughs) 